Blog Talk Radio. watching it now that I've gotten to know you Sharon it was just it just 
it was just so wonderful. And, of course, my Uncle Harvey is in the documentary, as well as many other people have, who have been on the show are on the, on the, in the documentary. And it's so wonderful. So I know that most people listening have probably seen the documentary, so we're going to talk about some of the things in it. But first off, since the documentary, you've started, um, you've started an organization called EARN. And could you tell us about EARN, and what does EARN stand for? Earn stands for the Elder Abuse Reform Now, and it's and we and the name of the foundation is the Elder Abuse Reform Now Project. The documentary is it isn't Marty, it isn't on YouTube, it's on Vimeo. It's also if you go to uh, theearnproject.org, it's there as well on the website. So um, after um, we Sharon? after mm-hmm. Sharon, I just yeah. watched it on YouTube today. Oh, really? Well, somebody's put it there then. Probably a lady yeah. snuck it on for me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I bet yeah, she did. It's on a NASCA channel. Yeah, oh, it's good. on NASCA channel. So. All right. <laughs> Just sneaky Elaine, <laughs> <Okay>, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay, She's terrific. Yeah. Yes, she is. Um, after the abuse of mummy, um, I spent about a couple of years just so upset and in tears most of the time. And um, and then a very, very, very close friend of mine, who also happens to be a Jesuit priest, was sitting at my house one night having dinner with me. He was sitting next to me at the table, and I was bawling on his shoulder again. And he reached over, he put his hand on my arm, and he said, so what are you going to do? And it just Aww. stopped me short. I realized just sitting around crying was not exactly productive. So I tried to find out more about elder abuse because, truth be known, I didn't really know anything about it. I mean, when it happened, people were saying to me, oh, that sounds like elder abuse, and I was saying, what's elder abuse? And, and um, so the first thing I thought, okay, so I got a vague idea of what elder abuse was. And so I thought, well, better find out what's being done in the country. And so I called every... Um, I called every senior citizen uh, organization, you know, Department of Senior Services, where they, they, it has different names in different states. And I also called the office of the of the majority majority leader of of the Senate in each state. Wow. And and I said I've been online. I've seen that you've passed a bill to do outreach work to the public because that's the first thing to stop all this is if the public were better educated. I mean, if the public yes. know if they're educated and they know, they will get the laws passed. You know? So, um I I said I I I would love to see that outreach work you've done. Almost every I think all but two and the two were pitiful what they showed me. Um said that they unfortunately budget restrictions had had made it impossible to do that. So I thought okay there's something I can do that's constructive. Let's work on a workshop where we'll have a documentary that's very informative and where people who think this can't happen because they don't have enough money or they have too much money um, will look and think, oh, my goodness, that person's me, because it's not just mummy's story. It's other people as well. Yeah. And, and everybody doesn't have as much money as mummy had. And um, and so um, they'll recognize themselves there. They'll hear people who really know what they're talking about, like the wonderful Paul Greenwood, um, talk to them about this. So I thought that, and then make 50 
workshop brochures, one for each state. And so when you go to a workshop, you get a documentary. They show the, if they have time, they show the documentary at the workshop. If not, every, every person who attends the workshop gets a DVD to take home. And, um, and they get a brochure. So, you know, you live in um, whatever state, and you get the brochure for that state, and it'll tell you everything there is to know about that state's laws, departments that handle these things, if there's a sort of, if there's something short in the law that makes it, for instance, um, one thing Paul Greenwood's very, um, very intent on, and he's absolutely right, is getting these laws, the ones that do exist and there aren't enough, at least age-specific. So the state decides what is elder. Is it 65? Is it 70? Is it 75? I don't care what age they pick. Just pick an age. And so that when somebody comes into a DA's office, they, the DA says, well, how old is your mother? Well, my mother's 72. Okay, she qualifies. So then taking it to court and winning is very easy. This person stole from somebody 72 years old, and in this state, 65 is elder. So this person committed elder abuse, or they, or they were physically abusive to her, or whatever it is, and it's very easy. If it isn't age-specific, then you have this problem of the DAs who are already overworked not wanting to go to court with this stuff because it ends up into this long protracted case of warring gerontologists. The gerontologists on the other side say, "Well, she wasn't. She wasn't. Uh, you know, she she was fine. She knew what was going on. You know, she's not impaired in any way." And then the DA is saying, "Well, she may be very bright and things, but her." Um, but her life experiences, her husband took care of all the finances, she didn't about finance. And so they get in these, they, it goes on forever. They, in the end, the DA would probably win, but they just don't want to get involved in that. So, yeah. so we made we made these workshops. Anybody can give a workshop. I don't th- care if it's a lady in a house with four ladies that come every month for her book club, or some huge thing of a thousand people in an auditorium. Doesn't make any difference. Whoever will give a workshop, we will provide all that information free. So that means that there is no longer any justifiable reason why any state isn't thoroughly educating their. Uh, population about elder abuse. Wow. Now, how would somebody get a hold, like if someone's listening right now and they want to do a workshop, how would they get a hold of you to get the material to do the workshop? They just they just contact us. They go on to the um, the Earn Project. It's just it's just straight out t h e e a r n project dot org. Okay. And every and all the information is there. They can also send us emails. The email address is earn at nyc dot r r dot com. They can send. A, we we've helped a lot of people, not just with. Um, with workshops, but also with information and things, because it gets complicated sometimes whether it really is elder abuse or not. It can be complicated. Mm-hmm. Wow, this sounds wonderful. I did not know about all the workshops. I need to have a workshop here in Wisconsin once we are all allowed to get together again. This just yeah. sounds so wonderful. Now, back to the documentary. I know there's so, pe- so many people know the story already, but one thing that really, really struck me was, and this is, I feel, real relevant, is the nutritional meals and the gardening that was a real important part of the program 
Do you remember that part in the in the yeah, documentary? Yeah, could you yeah, tell uh, us more about that? Yes. Um, the, 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 the foundation that my mother start, started was started because they had a new ranch. When my father retired, uh, they lived in New York, but when he retired, they moved out to this ranch they had in Wyoming. And just, just at this time, when all this started happening, um, they had a new, my father had passed away. My mother had hired a new ranch manager, and his wife was a second grade teacher. And she started telling me about this beautiful little sort of bucolic western town is just riddled with people on meth. And and she was telling me about these children. They don't get fed. They come to school with lice. They're all failing. It's just, it's terrible. So... I I was sitting talking to my mother about what she wanted to do with daddy's half of the estate was already taken care of after he died, but what she wanted to do with her half. And, um, and we thought, you know, successful people, famous people, wealthy people, politicians, all this kind of thing, they go to schools where it's in a depressed area. They'll go to a public school, and they say to the children in the school, if you work hard, you can be just like me. Well, you know, what, those kids, what does, what's just like me mean? These these children, the ones in, in Sheridan, they wake up in a filthy trailer home with drugged-out parents in the morning, and that's what they go to bed to at night. What do they know about somebody else's life? So we thought if we could find a foundation where children, if they, if they weren't sleeping or in school, were actually on this beautiful ranch and treated in the same way that all of my parents' children had been treated. So they're encouraged, they're loved, they're disciplined, homework must be done, they're fed healthily. They have in the summer, each of them has a little garden that they have to tend, just a little square thing, but it's their responsibility. And in the winter, they have to fill the bird feeders, things like that. It's their responsibility, and they begin to understand the pride of getting something done. We used to give them little prizes if they did something wonderfully. But they begin to have a real pride in themselves and a real belief that they can do things. Wow. Okay, my eyes are tearing up just hearing this. I remember when we were talking, you were talking about the little prizes and everything, and one time you told me a really sweet story about pink boots. Would you mind oh, sharing oh, yeah, that great, story? Oh, my story. goodness. That's a great Everyone story. Everyone get their Kleenex. <laughs> that's a great story. Um, as I said before, the whole point of this foundation is to allow children to feel like what it feels like to live a normal life where you are an acceptable person. You are, uh, you know, you, you, you can be anything. You don't have to be wealthy. You just have to be a productive part of your community where the community recognizes you as that. So one of the little girls did something spectacular. I can't remember what she did anymore, but her garden was perfect in some way. And and so I said to her, okay, you know, you've done such a good job that within reason you you can tell me what your prize is going to be. So she said, I want pink cowboy boots. So all of a sudden I thought, here is a great time to really bring home what it is we're trying because we're trying to get these children so they feel within their own bodies what it's like to be you know so-called normal not have drug parents you know be succeeding in school so you don't get teased by the other kid things like and I thought here is the perfect time 
So I said, in we go. We're going to town. And and instead of going to one of the normal st- stores, Walmart, wherever, and getting her p- pink boots, I thought it is well worth my investment in taking her into the best saddlery uh, uh, store in town. Because the reason for that is that if she and her family were to walk in the door of that saddlery shop, everybody in the store would say to them before they even got it totally in the show, out. So that's her experience with this. Her experience is being trailed in stores like Walmart and things and thrown out of the expensive stores. So we went in, and I think there were six pairs of pink boots they had. The people working in the, the, the people in that town, the normal people, you know, the shopkeepers, they're, they're just lovely people. And so they knew what was going on. So they all made a huge fuss over this child. Everybody with this boots were nicer, those, well, let's look again, all this kind of thing. So she, when she left that store, and they're all saying, bye-bye, you know, you have to come back the next time you need some new boots and things like that. All of a sudden, she knew what it was like to be welcome and be acceptable. And and that's what's going to tell her in herself, this is worth working for. Wow. Wow. What a story. I'm, yeah, I, I know. I, I It's so touching. And so now that we've basically laid the foundation to see this is what the foundation was supposed to be it was supposed to be for the children mm-hmm. but it takes an ugly turn and there was some stuff that I was watching the documentary and I wanted to have you answer some of the questions one of the okay. things I found confusing mm-hmm. I understand your mother's caregiver Nadine snuck her out of the nursing home so they could meet with a lawyer to revoke the power of attorney from the people who had been keeping her help prisoner in the nursing home. Right. But I never saw anything mentioned about your mother's own lawyer and bankers and the company handling her stock portfolio that gave me any idea that they had been a party to this abuse. Were they involved in it? No, no, no. Uh-uh. It was just family members had stuck her in a nursing home and and used, she had trusted them, given them power of attorney, and they used it against her. Um, I think the lawyer she had always had out in Wyoming should have called me or tried tried to help a bit. I, I don't. I think he was just indifferent to it. So if that's a party to it, that, that's as far as he was a party, just indifference. But no, they no. her own bankers and her own brokers and things had nothing to do with any abuse at all. Wow. Okay, so then if no one was holding her power of attorney, why did that lawyer, is it, is it Deb? Like, why, yeah, well, what was yeah. she doing? Yeah. That's a good question. <laughs> Why did she take her to a bank? I mean, if, yeah. she's, if she's revoked, Nadine snuck her out of the nursing home so that the power of attorney could be revoked. Deb was a new lawyer in town. She knew my mother's secretary. Um, I, 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 you know, I'm sure that you're in a new lawyer in a little tiny town. You want to make chummies with with the important people, and that bank is the important people in those town. And so I, I guess that's why, because there was simply no reason they could have just taken her home. You know, she was out of the nursing home. The power of attorney was revoked. They could have just taken her home. There was no reason for her to go to any finance. Her, her money was very safe in Morgan Stanley, and, in fact, they had done a very good job with her money. 
Okay, so then, as I was watching, that's how I, I mean, I'm hoping everyone else was watching and catching these things. So then Deb takes her to the bank, mm-hmm. and then why did she take the money out of her own brokerage firm and then switch it over to the bank when the brokerage firm wasn't really doing a bad job? Um, I didn't know she had done that for a very long time. And now, of course, looking back, I kicked myself that I didn't get it reversed when I did find out. But I, d- I thought, you know, this is going to be a foundation. They're going to be out of the picture and I don't have to worry about it. So I never did worry about it. I asked Mommy one day why, and she said that because they told me that I would be safe. You see, she had been being held against her will in that nursing home, and evidently the bank said, if you put your money in our wealth management department, um, you know, we're right here in Sheridan, and and you would be safer. And I I don't know if you noticed, at the same time that they asked her to take all of her money out of Morgan Stanley, who was doing a good job with it, and put it in their wealth management, they also got her to sign something that made them her trustee. Oh, how that's convenient. Yeah. <laughs> so wouldn't, wouldn't it be considered fraud if a bank and a lawyer conducted business with a woman when she is in such serious health crisis? And according to both the nursing homes, in the morning, in the hospital, and in the evening, said that she was very ill and was uh, confused, and she didn't even know where she was. They had to have seen that, uh-huh. especially if they had kept her there for a couple hours. There's no What's question they on? took advantage of her. There's no question they took advantage of her. And um, I think I think they are such a powerful entity. I think they're just in four states. Uh, my father was a friend of the man who started the bank, and, and this wouldn't have happened if he had been alive. He was – Daddy loved that man. He was a wonderful man, but it was in his kids' hands now. And um, I think they knew that no matter what they do in that – this is the town that that bank was started in – Um, Mm -hmm. they will get away with it. So I think that was part of it. And and I was told by a a lawyer who knows, you know, small towns are small towns, you know. And and I was told that in a court in that town, if Deb Wetland had told the judge that my mother was doing backflips the day that she signed all those papers, and we said she couldn't have possibly looked at the nursing home records and the and the hospital middle records, the judge would have said, well, Miss Wetland says at 12 o'clock in the afternoon or whatever, she was doing backflips. And if she's an officer of the court, she wouldn't lie. And of course, we all know lawyers don't lie, right? Yeah. 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 I have a a theory about law school. Law school is not to teach young people how to how to protect the law. It's to teach young people how to get around the law. Yes. Oh, isn't that sad? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, wasn't it, um, Marty, there was another big, we were thinking about, you know, some of these other big estates where the banks were involved. Um, Harvey Witten, mm-hmm. that was, it was actually Univest Bank in Pennsylvania that mm-hmm. filed the petition to remove the family members as guardians. And there was not right. one family member. A lot of times you see, you hear like family members are fighting and stuff. That was right. not the case in our family. Everyone was on the same page. Everyone wrote in um, in support of not having this done. And yet the bank did it. And the bank is the one that filed the petition with the courts. And everyone has found that to be most unusual why a bank would be worried about mm-hmm. someone's physical health and, and filing it. But there's been some other incidents with that too, Marty. I know you've had some different yeah. on the show. 
when you're talking about when that. I was first in in this guardianship thing, and I still say this is Sarah Harvey's fault. If I hadn't done her and Gary's oh. story, I'd have never got involved in this. But one mm-hmm. of the first cases I ever dealt with was the Dor- Dorothy Griega estate out in Washington State. And they put her under guardianship, and this woman had many, many millions of dollars, all of them being held and earmarked for charitable trusts. And uh-huh. all of this money was in these these accounts, and I believe it was in Bank of America. They guardianized her. They went to Wells Fargo. You want to watch out for Wells Fargo, and I'm that's my opinion. I'm not speaking for anybody else here. That's my opinion. They went to Wells Fargo there in Washington, and they set up all these bogus accounts, and they began draining her money over into these phony accounts. There was no tax ID number, nothing, and many people turned this into the IRS, and they never did anything. And they finally bled out her whole estate, at which time she serendipitously passed away. The next big case that – yeah, what a surprise, (laughs) Sharon – and uh, the next big case that more recently um, is, of course, Lisa Belanger, who has been fighting B, uh, what is it, B.Y. Mellon Bank out of New York over her father's estate. Now, mm-hmm. between that bank and the attorneys, they have taken um, seven or eight million dollars. And now they're trying to sell his house. The man passed away a year and a half ago. The guardianship automatically ended at that point. They're still trying to do it. But what I have discovered across the time, and if you remember the mortgage meltdown, Wells Fargo was instrumental in this. They carried more of Mm -hmm. these fake mortgages than anybody else. Uh Mm -hmm. And they get into guardianship and they'll, you know, kind of coerce people into setting up trust accounts in the bank you know, right. or liquid accounts that are supposed to be protected, and then they very quickly seize them, and you don't get your money. Um, they've been uh, really active in this. Of course, they've been busted all over the place for fraud and everything else, but um, they're still running. We just gave them a boatload of money through the stimulus. But anyway, this goes on all the time, uh, where these banks get involved. And, you know, with in your case here in First Interstate, uh, and they don't care if you know. No, you know they, they have care. a financial elder abuse ad, or they did a little while ago anyway on their uh, – there's a thing against financial elder abuse on their website. Yeah, <laughs> and we know yeah. all about it because we do it, you know. And, Marty, uh, what is yeah. – what is it because – I mean, you guys are much deeper in it to me. I'm just making my workshops, and that keeps me busy, so I don't know kind of what's going on out there. You know? And – is it uh-huh. is it some kind of friend? Is it done? Does it get done because of friendships? I mean, between like lawyers and judges and guardianship organizations, the judge, the lawyers that represent them, and big banks, and is is that just everybody's yeah. kind of washing everybody else? I, I because yes. there's got to be actual. I mean, you know, there has to be laws that say that some of yeah. these things that are being done shouldn't be done, and but it, they, yeah. they get done anyway. They, the, these laws well, that the say you hearing. have hearings, and then they hold the hearing in the judge's chamber and don't let yes. the person be present. What What is it that gets that done? Yeah, because you're not in a court of law. You are in a tribunal. And once you have been guardianized, and I hate to keep being so redundant on this, but I'll keep saying uh-huh. it until people accept it. When you are guardianized, your name, and then when you get called into that probate tribunal, 
the the name of that so-called court is all capitalized. Your name is all capitalized. This is there's a legal term for this, Capitalist Domingo, something or other, but it means you have suffered a civil death. You are no longer recognized as a live human being in a court of law. That's oh why God. you can't get out of probate and mm-hmm. into a court of law because, as far as the law is concerned, you died. And so, but what this all revolves around that hearing examiner, that probate, none of these are judges of the law. They're hearing examiners, ministerial clerks, agency heads, and we call them judge. I refuse. You're not a judge. That has a legal meaning tied to it and means you deal with the law and you don't go anywhere near the law. So they, 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 your rights don't have to be addressed. And we've had these judges tell people, if you mention the Constitution one more time, I'll put you in jail. In this oh, court, you have no rights. And they are speaking the truth. You are in a tribunal. They don't adhere to the Constitution, the rules of evidence, the Code of Civil Procedure. And you, just by appearing there with your name all in caps, are a dead person anyway. You're a dead man speaking. And you you have no rights to anything. They don't have to give you due process. They don't have to give you a jury trial. They don't have to produce any evidence. They don't have to follow any rules that a court of law would have to follow. They can do whatever they want. Everything pivots around that probate examiner. Everything. That's who facilitates everything, makes it work. With the banks jumping in this, now you're talking major, major, major big-time money. And, you know, money talks. Mm -hmm. And... um, So they pretty well get whatever they want. When you come to legislation and states and laws, uh, just having moved out of Minnesota, I still keep track up there. And you see this on the federal level. They come out with these laws. Uh, Most recently, the Elder Justice and Protection Act of 2020. Damn thing in there that will protect an elderly person. Not one of these laws, either state or federal, will even utter the word guardianship. They will not say anything about protecting the rights of that elderly person. They don't say a word about stopping the wholesale estate theft. There is nothing in there. These are fluff and buff bills meant to placate the public. And somebody said to me, well, I'll take what I can get. Well, you got nothing. Are you happy with that? And, um, you know, but this is what I'm saying. These bills come out all across. We had one up in Minnesota recently. It didn't pass the Senate, but it was 3771, and oh, it was going to fix everything, only by the time the bill got to where it was being voted on, it had basically been gutted and replaced with other things. Now, you have a corporation, a fiduciary corporation up there called uh, First Fiduciary. It runs another corporation called Magic, and it is magic how they have bullshitted the public and our legislature. <laughs> Imagine how they make your money disappear, right? Yes, yes, ma'am. And everybody that they have targeted and put under guardianship is not listed as a victim or a captive. They're listed as associates. And they basically call the shots in the Minnesota legislature. They make sure that no bill comes out that will impede their business. They make sure no law is passed that will stop them from doing what they're doing. And then just one more thing in this, and I'm going to shut up and give this back to cause. Um, Joanna Bogalis from Minnesota fled the country with her mother. And mm-hmm. here again, that big bank uh, they're inhibiting was involved. 
uh, they took almost 2.3 million from her mother, but she fled the country with her mother. They're alive and well in Greece. Well, and that's good. Yeah. So, but she can never come home. And, Was um, she able to get her mother's she, money out of the country? No, no. They, they already took it. Took her house. Took the one in Arizona. They owned jointly. They took everything. And they wanted to put her mother into a nursing home, which they'd had her there one time. Joanna got her out. And mm-hmm. they were drugging her and everything. Her mother's a very, very active 80-some-year-old. And they wanted to put her back in because they were collecting her Social Security check. And they were charging what was left of the estate, 3000 a month for medical bills that she wasn't seeing a doctor. So what was that about? Uh, Joanna fled with her mother. They had held dual citizenship, both in the U.S. and Greece, because that's where her mother was from. And they got to Greece, and that's where they are now. And they cannot come home. She said, I'll probably never see my sons, my grandchildren. She said, if I step foot in the States, they'll arrest me. And she said, and the person that should be Yes. um, But uh, it just, this is what I'm saying. And these banks are pivotal in this. They're making money. They're get taking a cut. They're locking down accounts. Um, they're doing all kinds of things to deprive people of what is rightfully theirs. And they'll file petitions for guardianship, petitions for conservatorship, you know, get, make themselves trustees, and you can't have your own money because they're busy spending it. Right. So, right. you know, that's the way it is. But I'll shut up, Cause. I'm sorry. Oh, no, you know, it's very well, interesting. I, that's well, very interesting. There's. There's one tidbit. So there's the two, there's two different summits in D.C. The one is, is the whistleblower summit with Marcel, and that's a good one. Mm-hmm. But there's another one, and it's kind of like my sister went to it once. It's like the fake advocate summit. So yes. they claim to that be is, all about um, – what is that one called? That, that um, is uh, put on by the U.N., and it's uh, WEED, World Elder Abuse Awareness Day. I was asked yes. to speak there last year. Um, when you yeah. never get involved with the UN, yeah. it's such a phony yeah. place. It, it is they, so phony. And anyone who, yeah. So my sister, Mary and, and Tasha, they didn't, they didn't know. They, so they went down for the first year. This was several years ago, and right. they were sitting in this, you know, the fake advocate summit, we'll call it, uh-huh. or the weed thing. And the whole topic was all about how they need to get banks more involved into the affairs of the elderly. And my sister and yeah. Tasha, you know victims of the holes are just sitting there with their jaw dropped like what is going on here so that's what they were talking about so really that is not anything anybody wants to have anything to do with that weed summit it's huh. here it's it's just a big farce but that well, they want to like support, you look at it, and this yeah. is what i told them when i told them i i would not speak there is when I looked at who all the supporters were, it was the National Guardianship Association, ICOR, the international corporation that uh, sells franchises on guardianship and, and conservatorship, promising fast, easy, consistent money. Um, the elder law attorneys, APS, I mean, social service, you name it, everybody mm-hmm. we fight on a daily basis was who supported this. Not, no, no, I'm not standing up there yeah. speaking to you people. Uh-uh. <laughs> no. No. Marty, no, 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 no. I got to say. Have you got, are there certain lawmakers, certain politicians in this country that, that really want to step up and be champion of the senior citizens? Or are there none? No, no, there isn't. Um, they, no? I'm telling you, I have become so disillusioned 
over the last 10 years with anything that passes for a representative or a senator, either state or level. Right. These people will look straight in the face and tell you the biggest damn lie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and now going back to the documentary, we're going to up it one more level. So we already have, it, we've already seen, Sharon, that um, your mother was victimized twice, first by family members yep. who locked her in the nursing home, and right. then again by the coup consisting of the bank and the lawyers she hired to direct her money and property into the foundation for mm-hmm. at-risk children. And then the next YMCA. phase, the next layer, the YMCA gets involved. Right. Right. Did you so, hear? I got such a laugh. And it, it, in the twice in the documentary, during all the time that we were filming the documentary, the two people doing the camera work were very smart. I didn't tell them to do this. They were they were smart to do it. I hadn't thought of it. Even when we were finished doing the part we were doing then, they would just leave it, the cameras running because they they thought you never know what you're going to catch, you know. And there are two times in the documentary that were pieces from that where we didn't know the cameras were on and they and they just caught that. There's one point when we had all been around the dining room table in my house and everybody had gone and they had the guys had taken off their ties and things and and uh, Douglas and Robert were there talking to each other and um and and it's and it's so great. I was so glad they left the camera on because it's such a wonderful conversation. But the another time was when we were in the in that conference room and at one point people were sort of shuffling papers and looking we had given them you know bits and pieces from all the documents and things they were shuffling looking through things and stuff like that and all of a sudden Douglas says you know maybe that's why they took the C out of the YMCA and they just call themselves the Y now so they just have removed Christ from the, from the, yeah. I, yeah. you know, people think of the Y as a charity. You know, it's not really a charity. It's a not-for-profit. And if you want to go right. there and and join and pay for your class on tennis or your swimming or your class and whatever it is, it's going to be a lot cheaper than going and joining a health club or that. That's fine. But it, it, it upsets me, and I just am saying this because I want people to know this. I say it every time I get a chance. Join the Y. It's going to be a cheap health club for you, a cheap tennis place for you. That's great. But don't give them charitable money. Don't give them charitable money thinking they're going to go out and do all kind of little good works because they do as few good works as they can possibly get away with. And I saw, I wish I could find it back. I found on the Internet one time an organization that does nothing but teach Ys across the country how to raise money. And, you know, I, at the time, this had happened, and I thought, do they say, you know, if if the only way you can get it is steal it, that's fine? And um, yes. if you see the letter written to me by the man who is the head of the main head of the Y in their main headquarters, you think, well, yeah, probably, that probably is what they teach them. But, um, yes. you know, give it to a boys and girls club or something where they're going to get ethical, you know, they're going to get help yes. and they're going to get ethical training, not to a Y. Now, okay, when, uh, you know, girls, girls, yeah. step away here for a minute. I'll still be on, uh, but I'm getting okay. that little signal up here, Sharon. You blew my show up. We're close to exceeding our bandwidth, so oh I got to go goodness. do okay. a little negotiation. Okay, that our audience All right. is that big. And holding on, I'll okay. Be back, so well, okay, Sharon and I will keep going. All right, so Sharon, I um, so obviously I was shocked to see that the YMCA was 
pivotal in stealing the estate. Did yeah. you contact the national headquarters on this? Like, there's got to be a national wide yes. headquarters. Yes, and he he just blew me off. I have the letter. It's in the documentary. I have the letter where he just says we will continue to support the YMCA of Sheridan, Wyoming, and their projects. Well, he didn't care if they stole the money. They got it. Hey, they got income for thirty-two million dollars. Who cares how you got it? Oh my gosh! So there was part in the documentary that I caught, and it was a oh, YMCA guy. The Y stole the ranch. The Y stole the yeah. ranch. Yeah, they they the whole thing. It's gone. It's not there for what it was supposed to no, be. They sold and the ranch. Wasn't, and what? Well, wasn't there a guy that was all worried about what he gets fed, what food he's <laughs> going to get fed when uh, he's right. stealing the food from the children? Right. After he had voted, as they all had, against doing Mummy's project, and that one of the big things, of course, the project was to get these children fed well every day because they don't get fed at home. And so, you know, when they're in school in the winter, they would come after school, they'd get a snack, they'd get their dinner, and then they'd get a little bedtime snack before they were sent home. And in the summer, they were just fed all day. You know, they got three meals and two snacks, and if any time somebody wandered in the kitchen and wanted a cookie, they could have it. And um the um so this guy who's a very successful man in Sheridan um and um he actually i think bought the business of a friend of mine in Sheridan who are very nice very one of the one really wonderful people and uh, anyway he's a very successful man one of the more wealthy people in Sheridan and so he votes against feeding poor children but then he puts mm-hmm. out this tweet to a twitter on the internet which is on the documentary where he says that he's going to a board meeting of the YMCA, and he sure hopes that they remember to have food because it's going to be a long meeting. So he's yeah. very worried about his little well-fed tummy, but he's not worried at yeah. all about those little poor children. You know, these children, these people walk in town past these children, and they have two reactions to these children, either complete disgust or disinterest. Mm-hmm. They don't even see them. They don't mm-hmm. want to help these children. These are not people who care. They talk a lot about caring. But we see a lot of that in this world, a lot of talk about caring. But when you say, here are the very neediest children in town, here is a wonderful, that was such a loving handout to these children. Nobody else is ever going to say, just take hold of my hand, and I'm going to make your life turn out okay. You know, and, and they say, no, no, we want it. Wow. You know, our audience should know how easily a person holding a senior's um, medical power of attorney and who is mentioned as an inheritor in the senior's will can speed up their inheritance by hastening their senior's death. Um, Your mother's case demonstrates that. Could you explain that? Yeah, and people really need to know the difference between these laws about don't incubate, don't resuscitate, and, you know, yeah. comfort care only. If if let's let's take it to me. All right, I'm I'm in I'm in my mother's will. This is what was done to her by family members, but I'm going to make it me because I'm not going to discuss those family members on the air except my awful stepbrother. And um, the so I, I'm in mummy's will. 
and she falls and breaks her hip. And, and I say, oh, mommy dear, you have to go stay in a nursing home for a little while until that hip heals. Then you can come home. And you better give me your medical power of attorney because, um, you know, so I can make sure everything works well and everything's taken care of. And, of course, she trusts me. I'm her daughter. She loves me, right? So she mm-hmm. gives that to me. But the truth of the matter is I'm tired of living my life. I want to live her life. I want a big fancy ranch. I want $32 million in sack, and I'm not willing to wait till she dies to get it. So what do I do? I tell, uh, now I've got power, and I tell the nursing home that they are to put her on what's called comfort care only orders. So what that does is it means that I have now removed her right to medication So here you have a 75-year-old woman who gets a little cold and it's going into her chest. And normally a doctor says, oh, just pump her full of antibiotics and she'll be fine in a couple of days, which is what would happen. You pump her full of antibiotics and she's fine in a couple of days. But if you don't pump her full of antibiotics, it, it could happen to you and me, that you, you, your body, but especially when you're in your, she was in her 80s, not her 70s, especially when you're in your 80s, the body is not going to cure itself and you're going to die. And then I'm going to say, ha-ha, now I've got my mother's life, I've got her ranch, I've got her money. Yeah. Did you go to the local district attorney about any of this? He didn't want to know about it. He said it was a civil matter. And I tell you, I have spoken to three different lawyers in New York City who are heads of really big, prominent law firms in New York City, and they all say, that's not a civil matter. That's a criminal matter. That's not a civil matter. So if they want help... Would the uh, Wyoming Attorney General do something about this? Much money being stolen from a charity to help the most needy children in the state. He wouldn't talk to me. He doesn't care about the shittiest children in the state either. He's probably more worried about his votes, and he's going to get he's going to get money for his votes from the guys who are taking the food out of the mouths of the children. Wow. Okay, so there's a point in the documentary where we see a video of your mother talking to that lawyer, Depp. Mm-hmm. I know you say she had good and bad days, but when that recording was made, it must have been a very good day because she's very clear mm-hmm. she's very clear on what is being discussed and what she wants and why. She's right. very definite about what she wanted, and she says she gave the ranch the money and um, to help the particular children because they have never been given anything that would protect them, and she thought they needed it, and right. they could use it very well. And her own lawyer, Deb, says, you feel, I wrote down the quote, you feel like I want to give it to somebody who has nothing. And your mother answers, well, that's the truth. Then how did the bank get that turned around? Uh, I, it, it just had to do with clout. Um, it had to do with clout. Um, the man they brought in to Leonard to do the documentation for the um, foundation, I, if you watch the people watch the documentary, they'll see I've got all the documents in there so you can really follow it along because I can't tell you the whole thing now. But you can really follow. He said this to her, then she said that. But in their own thing, you know, his own letters with his own signature at the bottom and thing. And, um, and so, you know, he's a friend of a man at the bank. 
And so the bank calls him and says, we, you know, we want you to write this foundation. So now you come down to the situation. And he's quoted, you saw that in the documentary, and I have many mm -hmm. more of them, where he quotes yes. Mommy saying, you know, oh, she was all excited about the children and this and that and the other. And then after she dies, he says, oh, no, she said it could just be sold, the money given to the Y. So the thing is that... You know, if you are this lawyer and you're a friend with the bank and you live in Wyoming and the bank is very powerful, you also would like more more work from the bank, who do you want to be friends with? That bank or some little old lady who's dying and a bunch of what he probably calls, thinks of as grungy little old children who nobody cares about anyway. Yeah. And what about those signatures? I mean, they really were the something. Oh, and can you imagine a district attorney seeing those and telling you, "No, Mom, that's no big deal." I mean, they were just blobs. They were yeah. signatures. And then you saw—I don't know if you noticed—that we showed signatures of days that she signed when I was there, because I wouldn't let her mm -hmm. discuss anything unless she was having a good day. So the signature—you see some signatures on days when I was there, and said, "Okay, you can talk to her, and she can sign papers," because she's following what you're talking about. The, I mean, she was old and she had wobbly hands. So they, if you measure that against the signature, fifteen years older, you know, before, but it was still a solid signature. And then you put it next to those things that, that they used to, to steal the money, and it, some of them are just blobs of ink. Yeah, and, it's and unreal. The, the lawmakers in Wyoming, nobody, oh, there's nothing to see here. Nothing's wrong here. So what I want the yeah. listeners to understand is, here was the foundation. There's this beautiful ranch, lots of property, $32 million to keep everything going for mm -hmm. a long time. And the, everything that was going to be for the children of the area. And then there was also a cemetery that was on that property because your mom believed that that property was going to be the foundation that was going right. to continue for decades and decades and decades. So I'm sorry, this is a hard question, but it made me, it made me think of this when I was watching the documentary. So there's a cemetery and both your parents are in a cemetery that was built on that ranch. Mm -hmm. But you've, Maybe. but you've said that Maybe. the the ranch was sold. So where are your parents? I don't know. I got a letter again. It's in the it's in the documentary. I got a letter from the man who was the that man that was the head of the Y. I think to me he was just as close to evil as one can come. And um, I got a letter from him saying, well, they you know that the evidently the cemetery was a few feet off from where it was had been whatever they call plotted it or something when when they're making it that you could have a legal cemetery in your property. And because it was a few feet off from where it was drawn drawn on the property saying that gave them the right to say, well, that's not, the, that's not really a legal cemetery, so we're going to have to take your parents out of there. And um, I, I, don't know, I don't know what's happened. I, I don't can't know get where on the property. I'm back. Hi. Yeah, I'm back, girls. Yes. All right. <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, I don't know we, if they've dug them up and planted them someplace else or what they've done. I mean, I, ju I just don't know. Oh, my God. It, that yeah, that it's is absolutely horrible. 
That is one of the They're really things. awful. I, They're really awful people. You know, all these people are awful. They 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 mm-hmm. take advantage of the most. And I'm not talking about my mother. I'm talking about the children. Uh, with my mother, it's it's really the children that I liken to people in guardianship who are beat up. In other words, who is it that's so vulnerable and nobody cares? Nobody cares. That's life. I had wow. one man say to me, oh, well, coulda, shoulda, woulda. Oh. I was saying they didn't do what mummy wanted. Coulda, shoulda, woulda, woulda. He was a banker at UBS who was supposed to handle the trust, and I had gotten him in. And then he found out that I that, that I wasn't going to be, get control of it, and so then he chummied up with the other side. And when I said to him, you were supposed to, you know, help with mummy's project, and, and that's they didn't do what mummy wanted, and he said, coulda, shoulda, woulda. My God. It's, not, it's no it's no skin off his nose. He goes home to nice dinner every night. He's got a clean bathtub, you know. My I mean, my prayer children. for these people it, my prayer always is that they will face twice the hell that they put other people through before oh, they Marty, die. I, I don't, don't want them They're just fine, yeah, Marty. They're just fine, they're just happy. They they make sure of that. Yeah. Well, I you know you, you want people to get up their comeuppance, you know, but but unfortunately, yeah. m- most often people don't get their comeuppance, especially people like yeah. that. Yeah, that is very true, and they're connected to the people that should be running interference for you, um, mm-hmm. and they're not, and that's your government, your local government, and uh, I, I, and my own lawyers, my own lawyers, yeah. And they'll turn on you faster than anybody. They and did. you know that, gotta be, yeah, that's got to be money. Um, nobody is that lacking in morality. Well, I shouldn't say that. I've met some pretty lousy attorneys. But, um, I have to tell you a funny story about my, my own lawyer. One time, it's in the documentary, but it may have slid by unnoticed by you. He writes me a letter saying, you know, that he doesn't, he doesn't want to change some things in the will about gifts to people on the ranch because that will take one of the people that we want as a witness on our side and turn her against us. So he's trying to bribe a witness, right? And so when I went to a lawyer friend in New York City who doesn't handle this kind of thing, but he was looking it all over to see, is this really just a civil thing? At one point, he was sitting across the table from me in a conference room, and he started to laugh. And I said, what are you laughing about? And he shoved this piece of paper across the table to me. He said, I might say that to a client, but I sure as hell would never write it in a letter. <laughs> so they were just trying to bribe her, and he wrote it right down in the letter. Yeah, they don't um, care. That's what gets me. This is so blatant. No. And so in your face, and right. everybody knows you asked about these um, politicians, you know, is there anyone? I have uh-huh. never, you get the same thing all the time, Sharon. Well, I never heard of such a thing. This must be an isolated incident. Well, nobody ever said anything to me about it. I'm going to look into this and get back to you. And, of course, they never do when you confront them again. Oh, well, have I talked to you before? Well, apparently you've got dementia. Maybe we need to guardianize you. <laughs> and... um So, you know, but this is what I'm saying. We're not going to get any help from them. This is going to be us out here and people like you, Sharon, who, you know, just keep hammering at it and do this expose on it and what happened. And then where were your local politicians? Where was your state's governor? Where was Um, your state's attorney general? 
Alan Simpson I meant twice in my life. Everybody loves Alan Simpson because he's funny. Um, yeah. I met him yeah. twice. I met him twice in my life. He is funny. When he talks on television, he does make me laugh. And um, <laughs> I met him twice in my life. Both times my father was still alive. Both times he went on and on about what a wonderful man my father was. My father was giving him donations, obviously. And what a wonderful man my father was. And then when this happened, I thought, well, I didn't, I didn't know, but I thought he'll care. He'll, he'll. I mean, it's a terrible thing yeah. to think that wealthy people are taking money away from poor children. And so I had a friend of mine, because I don't really know him. I just met him twice. And so I had a friend of mine out there call him, who knows him well. And um, and um, I, I, all I wanted him to do was tell me who's the best lawyer in Wyoming. That's the only help I was asking for. Please just send me to the best lawyer in Wyoming. And you know what? The woman came back and told me she was told by him or his office, you know, his niece. I think it's his what? niece. Who has don't, get, don't get us involved in that. Oh, for God's sake. Wow. Yeah, he's he's a real snake. I've followed him over the years, and you're right. He is publicly, he's humorous. And, oh, he's and uh, don't funny. you just love me? Look, yes. And the yeah, behind farm closed boy, doors, little that's farm a boy, snake. you know. Yeah. Do you know that, yeah. that the, in another thing that isn't in the documentary, but it's a very interesting thing to know? It, my stepbrother, you know, sued to try and get that foundation stopped. He 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 wanted the ranch and the money. He didn't want to go into he too didn't want to go into grubby little trailer park kids. Yeah. And um yeah. so he sued. And my lawyers because I was he sued me for intentional deprivation of it, expectation of inheritance. Oh. But, but I was depriving myself as well, so I don't know what he was complaining yeah. about. But um, they uh, and he oh, and he and he got I don't know I think three million dollars or anyway it's a poor poor thing just just a little money just a little money and mm-hmm. so he. Um, he sued, so I had to get a lawyer to protect me. And so my lawyers, and he sued the bank for being a party to all this. So my lawyers came in one day all happy and pleased and said to me, well, when this goes to court, judge, I can't remember his name anymore, judge so-and-so who's been in retirement for I don't know how long will come out of retirement to hear this case instead of the regular judge that would normally hear it. Why do you think that was? Who do you think got that done? Oh, wow. Go ahead. Judge so-and-so must have been a good friend of the bank. Mm-hmm. Coming out of retirement, they weren't even going to run the risk of having a normal judge hear the case. That's, yeah. I guess I've heard Judge Ott comes out of retirement in Montgomery County to do special cases. Yeah. Um, well, he... Yeah. Well, they they make friends. Um, I won't say her name because I haven't asked her permission if I can use it. But one of the gals that's in the documentary who tells a story about her her a member of her family who was abused. She has pictures of a ju- there was a there was a lawyer who represented a guardianship organization, and his cases always seem miraculously to get get, get to, uh, into the same judge's court. And he always won. And he was a lawyer who represented guardianship organizations. And so this woman, a woman in Florida, 
she has pictures of that judge and that lawyer coming out of some very remote bar in some remote area. They go, they they meet the two of them all the time, have lunch together, and they go in a place they don't think anybody will see them. Well, well, it's because they don't care. They don't care what no, you they, know. No, they don't care. They don't care, they don't what, care. You, what you can prove. They don't care if you know what a despicable individual they are. They don't well, he cares care if he gets caught. because he cares if he gets caught. That's yeah. why they were going to a, a very remote restaurant. But he doesn't care about the people whose lives he's destroying. Because mm. it's not his. Well, yeah. no, exactly. it's not his. Not my family. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Good Lord. Okay, it's very, Cause, it's where very... we at on this? Yeah, well, you know. Um, we were talking we were talking about you know the elections and the statistics of people voting and that is one of Sharon's strengths is that she is she knows everything every state and Sharon you have a lot of statistics on the elderly vote and if you could share some of that with us well we're um, are all our statistics because of this virus are a little out of date? We're, we, um, I had a wonderful research person who cost more than I could afford, and um, he worked. He he was a law student, and he worked for a law firm. I, I don't know how many days a week to pay his way through law school, and he did research for us too. But the thing was, he had this laptop that belonged to the law firm that he would take home with him so he could continue working at home for the law firm, and when he came to us, he came to us on the weekends, he would bring that laptop with him, and in it was Westlaw, so you could keep updated all the time on the laws. So during, I've lost him during this, um, during this virus, so actually I have just spoken uh, this week to the Westlaw people to see if we can subscribe and get it in our computers. We have to, over the next six, eight weeks, update. I mean, the, all the laws are there. There just may be new ones that aren't in quite yet that were, you know, put in within the last year. But we, the thing that my feeling is, you know, you can't do everything, so I thought just focus on one thing, and that's in getting the public to really thoroughly understand this subject and understand that they just because you're very wealthy and you've got all kinds of advisors and lawyers and bankers and investment people around you and think, oh, that protects me. Well, it doesn't protect you. And if you don't have anything, it can you think, oh, nobody's going to bother with me because I just have a social security. So that protects me from elder abuse because nobody's going to pay attention to somebody who just has social security. That doesn't protect you either. Social security gets robbed all the time in acts of elder abuse. And so... If the public thoroughly understands what is going on, financial elder abuse and what I say is the favorite tool of the financial elder abuser, which results in guardianship. That's that's their weapon. That's their pet weapon. Yes. And um, so my feeling is that's what we can do. It's it's a small thing, but it's a big thing. It's we make workshops, and anybody can give a workshop, and we're going after the politicians. We've tried it once before. It didn't have a lot of success, but we're trying it from another angle. You know, if you don't get it this way, try it that way. And um, just the, the, we say to the politicians, there is absolutely nothing you have to do. It does cost you no work, and it'll make 
and senior citizens very happy with you if you show that you are really interested in elder abuse and want to end it. And all you have to do is put the EARN Project in contact with, you know, any place where you have constituents, you know, where the social clubs, uh, you know, YMCAs, uh, sheriff's offices, you know, <laughs> libraries, any place that you can hold workshops, and we'll take it from there. So, you know, he's being a good guy. He's making sure his public is is informed. And if the public is informed, if more people knew about this, there would be more outcry. And that's the only way you get laws passed in this country. Yes. Yes, I agree. I agree. And one of the things I've noticed over the years, Sharon, is of all the naysayers, oh, you must have done something wrong or they wouldn't have done this. No. And they'll absolutely attack you, abuse you verbally. And then a few years years later, they'll come back and say things like, I don't know if you remember me or not. Oh, yeah, I remember you. Uh, <laughs> yes, I do. And uh, Yes. And uh, my mother got put in a guardianship. What do I do? And I always write them back and say, yes, I do remember you. Call 911. I don't know what to tell you. And uh, <laughs> I... Yeah, I just, but this denying that this goes on, you can't deny it anymore. Um, no. This is rampant. It is rampant, and it's in your face, and you can be subject to it at any time for no reason other than you asked somebody, one of you asked earlier how they find these people, and mostly it's done through these banks, through the attorneys, uh, when they sell you an estate plan. That attorney who sells that to you, and it's always sold with to avoid conservator and guardianship, you know, get this mm-hmm. estate plan. They either are lying about their expertise and they're operating mm-hmm. in fraud, or they're lying because they know those papers aren't worth the, the ink that's written on them. Right. Because they can be discarded at any time. So you, these are the people. We have charged nurses who have guardians on speed dial we have doctors the same way so there's a whole system in place and everybody's getting the kickback and everybody's getting money and so what it wasn't my mom it wasn't my mom so i don't care and um well they were old they were going to die anyway and um you know and that kind of thing but there is a whole system in place uh to target people you notice they don't target the people that (laughs) are homeless um they go after people who have an estate Mm -hmm. And there's a whole network that's operating that the minute you, it's like when you go into the hospital, Sharon, one of the first things they do now is run an asset search. Is that right? And when I asked, yes, and I asked them, why are you doing that? It was about four years ago. I had to have a surgery. And I said, why are you doing that? Well, we just want to make sure you can pay the bill. I said, excuse me, I got two forms of insurance here and a checkbook. What part of this? Well, we just need to, I said, Marty. Yeah. But they they run an asset search, and they have their own attorneys. Sure, um, sure, sure. Yeah, who will guardianize you in the hospital? And um, I've heard and that. I've heard that. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, it's a, and you know, I think, and I've talked about this before. The idea that there are so many sociopaths, and that's what these people are. Some of them, I think, could possibly be psychopaths, and. But how? where did this volume of people come from that are so deficit in empathy and sympathy that Green. they can do this? They, they, yes. 
and go Great. home and act like nothing happened. I, I couldn't do this to another person. No. Absolutely. No, that's that's what I was saying before when you were off. I was saying to Coase, you know, what is it that makes somebody able to do these various things to another human? How can you want something so badly that you would destroy mm-hmm. or even kill another human being? Yeah. Well, exactly, mm-hmm. and they, you know, they, they you know, I'm not saying, you know, but I could, I mean, but I couldn't do something. I can't even imagine doing something like yes. that. Yes. But I've likened these people, and I think in all reality, many of them are closeted serial killers, because they will go in and they will take all the personal possessions. They take trophies. Um, I've brought up before about April Parks and. Um, uh, Rebecca Furley, who we outed 10, 12 years ago, and they let her keep running, had urns. Furley had urns in her office on lighted uh-huh. glass shelves of the people she'd had taken out. And April Parks had all hers stacked in a storage locker where only she could see them. But Is they she take the, the personal one from Nevada? April yes. Parks? Yeah. And, yeah. Yes. And, uh, and what did she they have? take personal items. She she had the urns of people who she'd had a DNR on. Oh my God! In a, a storage locker, she wouldn't let the family have it. She was keeping all these ornate urns full of people's so, ashes that had been. Yeah, go ahead. It's like putting animal heads and bear skins, right? Now you've got urns and yes, dead people yeah. as well, mm-hmm. yeah. along with your animal but, yeah. heads and your bear skins. They take yeah. uh, items like. Jewelry, uh, little mementos, keepsakes. These are trophy hunters. Right. Um, this, this is what they are. This is why I say many of them, I believe, are actually closeted serial killers, and that there are so many of them running loose in the population. I don't know that there was this many 20, 30 years ago, but it seems like we have an abundance of these people that have no conscience, no morality, right. no nothing, and it scares you me that there are so me? many. I'll tell you something that worries me terribly is this generation of college kids don't have don't don't seem to have all those kind of old nice American values. And I read a thing no. one time on a on a questionnaire that was done of college kids. So I think it was about a year ago or something. And two of the questions had to do with older people. And I mean, these kids were literally saying things like, "Oh, they should get out of the way. They should just die." Yes. And yes. Um, that's really scary. Well, because yeah. at least before they wouldn't admit it. Now, if you'll admit it, yeah. it, it and think it's no yeah. big deal, then you you well, know, and well, all these laws about assisted suicide, um, yeah. you you just worry they're just going to start knocking granny off, you know. Well, we, we've got two yeah. states that have uh, Wyoming and Connecticut that have declared it legal to starve those with dementia and mental illness to death. Why bother with those people? And you are absolutely correct. The younger generations have been conditioned to think that if you're over 60, some people think the number is as low as 50, you should go ahead and off yourself because you're using up valuable resources that they they need. And I hate to tell all you young folks this, but we put those resources there for you, you fool. And they don't care. You don't know how they to take care. care of yourself. And if, yeah. And... So you, you see this conditioning, and I've seen this too, Sharon. Uh, <clears throat> well, why, you know, uh, they're old and sick anyway, and they're just costing us money. They ought to do the right thing and just go out, you know, take right. themselves out. 
right. you know, who, who are you to determine what value my life has? And I wanted to bring up about this COVID thing out there in New York where they took all these supposedly sick people and put oh, them in God, the nursing that was home. Awful. That was rude. Well, I mean, thousands of people's deaths are on his on on his watch. Well, let me explain something to you. This was not about him. This was about they took these people that supposedly had COVID, and we don't know what they had because they've never proven this virus even exists. Mm-hmm. And they put them in a nursing home where everybody's forced to take the flu vaccine. Everybody mm-hmm. that they brought in forced take the flu vaccine, we know from the Department of Defense that four strains of this lab-created virus were loaded into last year's flu vaccine. Please get your flu vaccine this year so they can complete the job. Anyway, so you're primed for whatever this is they got going on. They put all these people in there. Four days later, hospice shows up. Hospice is the Grim Reaper. Right. And they said uh, they, they were there because they were used to dealing with death. What they mean was We're used to causing premature death. And when hospice left several days later, everybody's dead. Now, do you think they died of COVID or they were euthanized? But this was all done for a particular reason. It was to gauge the response of the public to the wholesale euthanizing, ending the life of seniors. Well, the public was not happy with Cuomo and blamed everything on him because he put them there. Yeah, but Sharon, Sharon, it lasted a brief time. Less than right. 24 hours did this outrage last. This is exactly what they were looking for. They have been looking for a way to cull the elderly. They're doing it globally. And mm-hmm. do it without making a big bloody mess. Right. And then they take the bodies and take them immediately. So you can't see any evidence of what preceded this death. Like, right. you know, we gave you a big shot of being in hell, though. And... But this was to see what the public, if we took out a whole slew, you know, of elderly people, would the public revolt? And basically they yawned and walked away with the attitude, well, it wasn't me, so I don't care. Well, they're trying and, to get a hearing now, you know, let's, so let's just hope they get it. Uh, well, this was all orchestrated. He's not going to get nailed for anything. And uh, But this was done for a reason. This was to gauge public response to the wholesale right. euthanizing of the elderly. We're considered a waste population, and we don't produce anymore, and we can't be taxed, so let's get rid of you. You have no value in the system, and we're using up valuable resources. That's why, you know, like with Obamacare, um, when you hit 60, you're only getting 70% of the health care that's available to everybody younger. When you hit 70, you're only getting 20%, and then to cap it off and speed things up, they redefined food and water as medical treatment, not a human necessity or right, who did, but as who medical did that? Um, This was done very quietly, and it was done by regulation uh, in the health and the human services. Then they redefined it, and um, then they put it which into state, uh, which states did that? Not That's federally, all- federally, federally, and this was done. This is in every state. So when that doctor. And it doesn't even have to be, it can be a doctor from anywhere who's, I mean, be a doctor over in, you know, Beetlejuice, Egypt, can say, well, I'm calling utility of care. At that point, all medical treatment stops. And now we stop food and water. And the first way that they start taking the elderly out is to withhold food and water 
withholding hydration within four days, your organs start shutting down, and you've got oh. hospitals coming in there, dosing them up with Haldol and morphine, and putting them in this comatose to keep them from crying out. And then they tell the family, they've forgotten how to swallow. No, you drugged them and you dulled the reflexive response of the throat, just like you're stopping the reflexive response of the lung. You're smothering the person to death. Only mm-hmm. you never had to put your hands on. And I mean, they come up with all kinds of stuff. But this is one of the things they did. is, <laughs> and And they've extended this also now to prisons and um there was something else that they are not obligated to feed or water you because that's medical treatment and it's not but that's not up to the that's, states it's up to the feds i thought it was up to the states did they change no. that oh, oh this is hmm? a this is a federal program this is a, uh, the affordable care act and so they gave him the right of regulation oh, that's part of obamacare so, right Yes. So they they gave agencies regulatory powers, and so they go in and they make these changes that you wouldn't have dare made publicly when they were passing this thing. Uh, I think one of the most ominous statements ever made by a politician was Nancy Pelosi. You'll have to pass it to see what's in it. Well, what was in it was death. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but that's now she wants you to to vote without without hearing them talk to each other. You know? I mean, her, Nancy Pelosi says oh, her whole philosophy of life is get it done without anybody knowing what it is. Um, but yes. it's just, I mean, that's that. I I got such a laugh. I can't remember it anymore because it's a long time ago. But the Democrats made made um, an advertisement about one of the senators or the congressman or something. He's, they, if they don't have Obamacare, the reason they don't want to book Obamacare is they want to throw Grandma off the cliff. Remember? And yeah. I was yes. laughing. Be- I was laughing because I thought it's that they're not the ones who want to throw Grandma off the cliff. Yes. The ones who want to throw Grandma off the cliff are ones that want federalized medicine. I mean, do you know in England? Well, now this is a few years ago, and laws changed, so don't take my word for. But a few years ago, yes. at least, England, which has national health. If you were over 50, you did not get, um, what's the kidney treatment, you know, where they change the blood? Dialysis. Dialysis. If you were over 50, they would not pay for dialysis for you. Yeah. And they are the and, actual. And when they England. were doing that health thing, everybody's talking about Sweden and England, and I'm saying, what are you talking about, England? They knock you off at 50 if you have a kidney trouble. Wow. Well, see, in England. The pathway program in England was the test run for what became the Affordable Care Act. Right. And the pathway system was a system where they systematically euthanized just in one year, 1,300 elderly people. Yeah. Now, and, it's terrible, uh, the English health system. And yeah. why is it that all the English, and as well as all the Europeans, who have money come to America to go to American doctors? Yeah. Well, why did our health so and, terrific, and our Senators exempt themselves and their families right. and their staff right. and friends right. from Obamacare yep. if it's such a good deal. We're paying 75 cents of every dollar. It's that ridiculous. Is, they are charged at the premium for them to it's have ridiculous. this Golden Fleece health insurance. And they're not and subject everybody to didn't, Obamacare. everybody didn't get health insurance. They said, oh, everybody would be covered. Well, that's not true. Everybody isn't right. covered. No, they're oh, not. It's just crazy. All and, this stuff is crazy. It is. You just it begin, is. Your, your head starts to spin. 
Yes. It, it yes, does. We kept with way longer than we had promised we would, and I'm sorry uh, if I got to talking. Did you have anything well, you, you wanted to You're very to interesting, Marty. No, I just am fascinated by you. A great source of information you are, Marty. Oh, well, thank yes. you. But, uh, yeah, it just, cause is coming up. She's going to be my second. Um, she <laughs> She's actually the replacement act for when I get too old to do this, it'll be cause. Ah. And, <laughs> I'm the apprentice. Yeah. I'm the yeah, and, that she'll I, serve, and she'll serve cookies on top of it. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Tw- 20 years from now, yeah. it'll turn into a, a baking show, and Marty will say, Cause, you lost focus. Yeah. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> yeah, and now we're going to bake cookies. Yeah, we're going to bake cookies. Yes. Yeah, I right. always say I'm a, yes. I'm a grandma in training when I'm I'm always baking. I'm a grandma in training. I'm not a, you know, I'm not a grandma right now, but oh, I'm a grandma in training. You'll be good when you have grandma. Oh, did you Marty, did you know that when and the when the virus first came, I sent cookies, you know, I sent to you. I sent cookies yes. from Cos yes. Bakery to a lot of friends. Yes. Did, yes. did you know that my one of the women that I sent the cookies who has twice ordered cookies sent to friends of hers from Causes Bakery that they are so good, yes. Visconti, that she's yeah. twice got that. She yeah. told me people said it was the long- best biscotti they've ever had. Yeah. I want long johns, Sharon. Long johns with chocolate pudding and vanilla pudding in them. That's I'm gonna I'm Long gonna John. bring some down next next summer. You know, Marty, what I see that. that. So what are long johns? It's like they're, a they're custard-filled like a, donut. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and they yeah. they make you really fat, Sherry. You eat one and you gain 10 pounds. Oh, and, uh, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I think so I brought, good. what did I bring? I brought the Alpha Horas, and I've, I've shipped a carrot cake, or I put a carrot cake in my suitcase for when I was meeting some different <laughs> people. So we're going to have a cool website like the end of October and we're going to actually ship the cookies because it's oh, been great. so popular. Oh, right. And thank you for everyone yeah. who's supported us. We're hanging in there. That's you know, great. we're on lockdown here in Dane, Dane County. You have to wear your mask and you can only be open 25% of your yeah, but seating. You're, and but your politicians don't have to. You just passed a law up there here last month that everybody has to wear a mask except politician. Well, when I want right. my hair done, I think hair. I'll call Nancy Pelosi and ask her if I can go with her. <laughs> and you don't have to wear your mask. Yeah, exactly. No. Can I tag yeah. along, please? Yeah. I refuse, I, refuse, I refuse to wear a mask. I will not. <laughs> and uh, this, is, this is a put-up deal, and I'm, I'm refusing to do it. There's a psychological factor in effect with this mask wearing thing and the lockdown and the leave, don't leave your house and the social, this is all a big psyop. And they tested it out on the Afghani prisoners some years back and numbers of them committed suicide, just like we're seeing here. The rate of suicide is skyrocketing. This is not Humans a normal are meant existence. to be isolated. No, they no. are not. We are herd animals. And I told we, Cause we a story. Have, and, I told 
don't cause a story, Marty, that you, you would find interesting and your, inter your listeners probably would find interesting. I heard it on the radio the other day. A man called into a program, and he said his wife had gotten this virus, that she had gotten ill, and he took her to the hospital. The hospital said she had the virus, and within about 25 hours, she was really, really, really bad, and they put her on a ventilator, and they told him that, um, that she was dying, that they couldn't save her. So mm -hmm. he went quickly and called. He said, I'm not going to say this man's name because he's a very famous scientist. But he said, I'm lucky I have a friend who's a very famous scientist in one of the big um, scientific hospitals in this country. And he said, I yeah. called him yeah. and said, would it help me if I put her on a, um, you know, one of these medical plane thing and send her to your hospital? And the doctor said to her, the research scientist said to th this guy, you go back to the hospital right now and you tell them to do every test that they can possibly do for different kinds of flus and viruses and things like that. Do Yes, Everyone yes. they can do. So, and he said, you do not let them tell you no. So the man went back and he told the hospital, and he said, you do it, you do it right now, I'm going to pay for it, so you have to do it. They did it. They found out that she had Legionnaire's disease. She did not have COVID. Uh -huh. They took her yes, off the yes. ventilator. They treated her for Legionnaire's disease. Three or four days after, she was home perfectly fine. She had been cured of Legionnaire's yep. disease. The guy calls his scientist friend and said, oh, thank God. I, I mean, if I didn't know you, she'd be dead. And you know what the scientist yes. said to him? Yes. She probably caught it from but her mask. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you touch all kinds of things, and then you—they say don't touch your face, but you touch all kinds of yes. things, and then you take the mask on and off, on and off, as you go in and out of stores. And there's so much germs on that mask, and and then yes. all your yes. old breathing, and they're just swarming with disease. The masks, yes. evidently. Well, yeah. and within eight to ten breaths, your oxygen level has been so depleted, you're in danger of a heart attack or stroke. Even if you don't smoke or anything else, your carbon dioxide levels have raised to a critical level. Yeah, I'm sure and that's as you said, Sharon. Yes, and so you're like you said, Sharon. You're breathing in and out. Germs and bacteria are collecting on this mask at just the right. perfect temperature. Your breath and the right. moisture, and it's colonizing. So every time you breathe in with your lovely mask on, you're breathing this crap right down into your lungs. Can you right. say lung infection? You know, um, but the mask goes back to Sumerian times, and it is a sign of slavery. It is a sign that you are untouchable. You cannot speak. You have no rights. And it is also known to cause severe mental disruption in people because, as you said, we, we are not meant to be separate. We are, we are herd animals. Right. We need touch from one another and also facial recognition. Right. Be putting the mask on, you lose facial recognition, which makes you not see that person you're looking at with that mask on as a human being. You, your, your mind does not recognize this. I and when you look at a that. person, yes, when you look at a person, your eyes work with your mind to assemble, and it recognizes the human face. So right. you put a mask on. Your mind can no longer do this. Like I say, this is a very carefully thought out plan. You go to event 201 that Bill Gates put on, and I think that man should be hanging from the gallows in the middle of the country um, <laughs> for crimes against humanity, him and Fauci both. And, um, but, uh, no, that mask, take that off. Now, here in Georgia, uh, the governor said he's not going to force people to wear them, and everywhere you go, some people have masks on, most do not. And um, it's just nobody's getting so They came out and said, oh, there were 2,000 new cases in Georgia. They had to back off of that. 
because there were not. And that PCR test is not meant to detect viruses. And that whatever that thing is, they are ramming up your nose all the way to that little membrane between the upper sinus and the brain. I want to know what the hell they're doing. Because any virus... Yeah, mm-hmm. because what are they doing? Because if a virus is existing in those upper sinuses, it is also in the lower sinus, and it is also in your throat and in your mouth. That's mm-hmm. how it gets into your lungs, darlings. And mm-hmm. there is no need for them to be going up your nose like that. I've been swabbed many times over the years because of these allergies. Honest to God, I could do it myself. And oh, there's no need. So, and then we find out that. Uh, in 2018, PCR swabs for coronavirus were shipped all over the globe from the United States. So think about that. We've got about three minutes left here. Oh, Marty, uh, and before three minutes are up, I'm going to say yes. something be- because we're about to hang up and you can't yell at me. Okay, so <laughs> Marty is trying to I, – I did an interview for like two hours with this like magazine – and they want to do a big article about Marty. And I got this DocuSign document, and I signed my little life away and said, yes, you can, you know, use everything that I did. And now um, Marty is not signing her DocuSign and might not let this article be written about her. And I think that it should because inquiring minds want to know Marty. Absolutely. The more people mm-hmm. know about you, the better, Marty. The more people who know about oh. you, the better. Oh. Well, yeah. thank you. I appreciate that. But, uh, you know, they want to do a cover for the magazine, and I have the perfect face for radio. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I sent them put some pictures mask, of us from on, the whistleblowers. Put your mask on. Oh, please. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think I sent them some nice pictures. I got some nice pictures oh, of us no. when we were at Whistleblower Summit, and I sent her pictures. Yes. Oh, you hear that, Sharon? And and my yeah. eyes were all swelled up from the, my allergies out there. Uh, they're all swelled up. Like I look like I. And uh, it just yes, yes. Send them those pictures because I just look lovely. And um, I had to send you know, it, save it to the last. So she's gonna yell at me. <laughs> she's sneaky. She sounds nice, but she's sneaky. Yeah. <laughs> And she forgets I have her phone number. And <laughs> uh, this has been a great show, girls. They did an excellent job with the interview. And Sharon, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, it's always good well, to have you. It's been delighted. a lot of It's my pleasure to come on, Marty. Well, Thank we you. want to have you back again to follow up. Um, but everybody, again, a reminder, these shows are brought to you in coordination with Marcel Reed and the Whistleblower Summit, an annual event in Washington, D.C., taking place around the end of July. And hopefully we'll have it this next year and we'll all see everybody out there. If not, uh, we'll figure out something. Uh, <laughs> uh, everybody have a good evening and thank you for blowing up the system. We about got blown off air for exceeding the bandwidth, and it took a little financial finagling, but we managed to stay on. So you blew up my show, Sharon. Anyway. <laughs> well, just tell people to protect to- themselves. Protect themselves. Yes, get a thirty-eight, and some bullets. Anyway, we'll talk. <laughs>
We'll talk right. soon. Everybody, good night. <laughs> night, Marty. Good night. Good night, sweetie. Night, Cubs. Cubs.